Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. Jones had first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not are even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My bad there. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser, along with Justin D'Onofrio. And uh, we are here. Ky- yesterday, Kyrie Irving made his decision. He is he is uh, he decided to opt into his $36.5 million. His last year was contract for $36.5 million. He is, go- he is going to be, it looks like, he is going to be a Brooklyn Net yet next year. That's what he said yesterday. And uh, and for me, the biggest, the first question you want to ask, we want to ask is, is, is this the right move for Kyrie Irving? And I think it is. I think it's definitely the right move for Kyrie. And the reason it is the right move for, in my opinion, for Kyrie Irving is because uh, they, uh, uh, the, the net uh, for him, it looked with the sign and trade, the only team that wanted him was the Lakers. The only team that, that really was, he was willing to do a sign and trade was the Lakers. So I, I really, I, I like this move for, I like this move for Kyrie Irving. I think he's going back to the nets. I think this is, this is a team that, you bring Joe Harris back. You bring Ben Simmons back. Obviously, with Kevin Durant, I think this is a team. They might might not be the favorite, but I think they are a t- definitely. I definitely think they are a title contender going into the next year. So I definitely think uh, Kyrie made the right move, uh, going uh, opting into his opting into the final year of his deal. But Justin, do you think Kyrie made Kyrie made the right move? Yeah, I do as well, and I think he did because I don't think he was going to get that you know sign trade and then. You know, you know, um, you know, going back to or going to team up with LeBron, and we kind of know what happened there in Cleveland first time around. And then Russell Westbrook would have to come back in Brooklyn and, and play with KD again. I don't think KD would have been very excited about that, and they that probably would have lost, you know, Kevin Durant in the process. So, and then you can't have Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons on the floor at the same time. That just that that offense is gonna be would be absolutely horrible. So, yeah, I think for Kyrie, it's probably the right move. Um, you know, coming back to Brooklyn there. They should be one of the better teams again. You know, can he be less of a headache next year? We'll see it and stay on the floor with, with Kevin Durant. And, you know, that team, and yeah, with Joe Harris coming back, that team should be really, really good. And we'll figure out what the heck's going on with Ben Simmons. But, um, yeah, that net team's been really good. And I do think Kyrie made the right decision to come back to Brooklyn for one more go around. Yeah, absolutely. And you made, you made, you made the good point there. Is he going to be a headache? Obviously, he went AWOL two years ago. Last year, he didn't want to get vaccinated. So the Nets are giving it one more shot. They're giving it one more shot with KD and, Ky- and Kyrie. Yes, they are title contenders, but the reason they are not the favorite uh, in the Eastern Conference is you, can't, you just can't depend on Kyrie Irving. But they, they are a better team with Kyrie Irving because, because if, they, if they had to trade him, they probably were not going to get a player as good as Kyrie Irving. Say they did a, like a sign and trade 
with the Lakers and say they got Russell Westbrook, he is definitely a down right now because of the way he can't shoot the ball. He's a downgrade. Uh, he's a, he is a downgrade right now. So I think the uh, I think the Nets made the right move. And I think the Nets the, made the right move opting in. But the biggest thing is, is can Kyrie be reliable? That's the biggest question. Yeah, it is. And that that's a question we do not have right now. We, we you know, we, we have no idea what his mindset's going to be and all that. Um, and yeah, that, I, that, that's the big worry. And I think either net, you really have to, you know, it, it's tough that cause it's, a, he's a star, but you really got to in that front office kind of say, <clears throat> look, you know, we need you on the floor as much as possible. We can't have all this antics going around still, you know, you wouldn't want to win a title. You got to be here every day and, and buy in like the rest of the guys. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely difficult. We have no idea, but if those two could play, if him, Kevin Durant, you know, could play, you know, 65, 70 games, that, that team should be a one seater at worst, a two seed. You know, if those guys could play majority of the season without two, because Kyrie Irving, when he's on the floor, he's one of the best point guards in the league. And he's really, really talented. But again, he just has not stayed on the floor. And that's part of the problem. So, yeah, you know, for the, for the Nets, they could be really, really good and be a top seed. But it, yeah, it depends on how much um, Kyrie's going to be out there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, we, and the, the second question we were going to answer was, are they a championship contender? I think we answered it. They, they definitely are. If KD and Kyrie are out there, they definitely are a championship contender. They got two, they, uh, they, they got two of the top you know, 20 players on the floor. It's just obviously going to come down to dependability for both of them. I, it, that, that's what it's going to come down to. But if they're on the floor, they're, they're, they're it, for like, yeah, as you said, six, 65, 70 games, they're easily a title contender. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, again, this the East is really good with Celtics, you know, the Bucks, you know, the, the Heat's great organization. We'll see what kind of happens the Sixers here in the offseason. There's some really talented teams here in the Eastern Conference. But, yeah, they they, don't, they can play right there with anybody. They got two best stars in the league. And, you know, again, and so, yeah, those majority of those two players, they play majority of the games next year, KD and Kyrie. They should absolutely be a title contender. They could beat anybody in this entire league. Joe Harris is a good other guy to have. You know, Ben Simmons is a really good defender. We know about the shooting problem. So, they, they you know, they got a solid team. Again, we'll see what they can kind of do for death, death pieces-wise. But, um, yeah, they, they should totally be a title contender. Oh, without question, without question. Now, the last question is, is where do you rank them in the Eastern Conference? For me, if Kyrie and KD play together for a, a good amount of time, I'd have them third. I'd have them. I'd have the Bucks one, the Celtics two, because I really like what the Celtics have done did, did, did in the second half of the season. Obviously, the Bucks have the best player in the conference, and we're missing one of their best players during the playoffs. So I would have them. I'd have them. Uh, I'd have them number one. And but I would have the. I would, it's tough between the Heat and the Nets, but I I put I put the Nets ahead of the Heat if the, if if Kyrie and KD play, you know, the, the full uh, uh, play play a lot next year because of the star power. I'll put the net, I'll put them third. I'm going to put them third behind the Bucks and the Celtics. Where would you put the Nets in the Eastern Conference now, knowing that Kyrie is going to be back? Right now, I have them fourth, but because and I'm anticipating Kyrie's not going to play 65, 70. I'm anticipating he's playing 40 to 50, and I think that makes a difference. And yeah, I have the Celtics one, Bucks two, Heat three, and the um, Nets four. I, I'll take the Heat. You know, I know Jimmy Butler is a pretty reliable player. Bam out of bio. I just again, yeah, I would definitely have the Nets higher than I mentioned a few minutes ago. If you can, if KD and Kyrie are on the floor together a lot this year, then yeah, they 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 should definitely be higher than the fourth seed. But I I, I don't really know this if Kyrie's in a debt. So I, I'm gonna take my chance and say they're gonna be like a four seed because I just I can't trust Kyrie. We got a comment from Tommy and he says. Bucks will be tough next year with Middleton back. I completely agree. He says Bucks Warriors next year. That's my finals prediction next year. Bucks Warriors. That is my finals prediction. And he's put a UConn question here. Didn't RJ Cole go to the Warriors? I think that was Tyrese Martin, right? No, Martin got drafted to the Hawks. RJ is going on a um, or I think RJ signed one with the uh, Lakers, a summer league. Okay, deal. gotcha, 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 gotcha. And what, I I thought Martin. It said Warriors when he was drafted. Did he get traded or? Yeah, it may have been like yeah, one of the yeah. I think he got traded. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Go in afterwards. Yeah, but yeah, but getting getting back to the Eastern Conference, yeah, I, I'd say the hierarchy is Bucks. For me, it's Bucks, uh, Celtics, Nets, and uh, and Heat. Yeah, for me, it's Celtics, Bucks, um, Heat, and the Nets there for the run at the top four. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious 
what the top four teams are going are going to be going into next season. But for the Nets, this is great news because now they are they have another year of Kyrie and another year where they know they are going to be. This is probably going to be it for them. Now. This is this is the last year of, the, of of KD and Kyrie, but they're running it back. And like we said, the last three years, they got a really really good chance of competing for a championship. Yeah, absolutely, they do. They they definitely do. They got two of the best guys in the league. Um, there's a lot of pressure in this front office. Again, they took another chance. We, you know, you know what they did, you know, right back in, you know, almost a decade ago now with the, the trade with the Celtics and KG, um, KG, Paul Pierce and that we kind of saw that didn't work out. Um, and, you know, they, they another shot here and they don't want to bait the same mistake because that forwards their future for a couple of years. So yeah, it's a big year for the, for the Nets, you know, especially up in that front office as well. So yeah, and Tommy said it. R.J. Cole to the Lakers, uh, Tyrese, Tyrese uh, to the Hawks, and yeah, we, yeah, we're a little off topic, but that's be interesting to see what those UConn guys do. Do you think? Do you just to get a little off topic? Do you think they're going to be? Uh, do you think they have any shot to make make those rosters? I think Martin can because you know Martin's good at Martin can do a little bit of everything. So I think Martin can make a make a career out of himself as, as a backup coming off the bench for somebody. He's a decent three point shooter. He's got decent size for a wing guy. You know, he does a little bit of everything. So I think Martin will – I just don't know if Cole's going to have the size to play at this level. It, or, I mean, you know, and it's shooting-wise too. I don't think he's efficient enough. Um, so he may struggle. I think he may G League or he'll go overseas. And then Whaley as well actually signed a summer league deal, I believe, with the Hornets as well. He'll probably go overseas. Maybe he makes the G League. I, I You know, Whaley's one of my all-time favorite UConn guys. So I hope he makes it. But, um, you know. Team up with a uh, book night there would be fun to watch some summer league games, but yeah, I think Martin's got out of the three. I think Martin's got the best shot to make a career out of themselves. Out of them, should be interesting to see what happens with those guys. But we got to get back into the NBA offseason. As one guard looks like he's going to stay with his team, another guard is going to be on the move. Is John Wall? Uh, John Wall is going to the Clippers. He agreed to him and the Rockets agreed to a buyout. Uh, so, so John Wall looks like he's going to be with the Clippers. And if this, if this is this is a big if, but if this team stays healthy. They could compete. I mean, obviously, with Kawhi Leonard, with uh, Paul George, and with uh, with John Wall, Reggie Jackson. I mean, this te- and Marcus um, Marcus Morris. This team could compete. But the big, the big, the biggest thing is that's a major, major, major F. And the question is going to be is as as we saw the uh, as we saw with the Warriors, they you know missed the they they, they missed the playoffs. They didn't get out of the playing tournament, but they ended up getting healthy and winning the championship. Could we see the same thing with the Clippers that we saw with the Warriors last year? For me, I I, I say no because just there's just too many unknowns. You don't know how Kawhi is going to come off that ACL injury. You don't know if John Wall. It's a miracle if he's going to be able to play a full season. So I I think they're obviously going to be better. I think they're going to be in the playoffs, but I definitely don't think they're going to be the Warriors of last year. But Justin, do you think they have a chance to be the Warriors of last year? I'm with you. I think they have the talent to do it, but yeah, there's just too many unknowns. You know, we John Wall hasn't played. You know, he's played. You know, he hasn't. The last time he's played, you know, over 45 games was back in 2017. You know that that's been it. You know, he's played. He didn't play at all last year. He didn't play all 20, 2019, 2020. I just think there's too many unknowns. I you know John Wall is a great player when he's on the floor, but we just haven't seen him a ton, and. I just don't – I don't expect them to play a full season. Paul George has had his own injury concerns over the years. He only played 30 games last year. You know, can he – is he a guy that could play 60, 70 games? I don't think so anymore. And Kawhi – yeah, Kawhi Kawhi's a great player, but, you know, he just missed the entire season. He's probably going to have a lot of rust coming back. Um, And, you know, again, can he play, you know, the same amount, 670 games, and I don't know. And that's a loaded division, too, because you got the Suns, you got the Warriors, you got the Lakers, and all in that division. So it's going to be a tough division, and I, I think the Clippers have the, have the talent to do it. But, yeah, there's too many unknowns. I think they, you know, wouldn't be shocked to see them make a run in the Western Conference next year. But to win it, the whole thing, I don't see them um, doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and – uh... Yeah, you said it. The, the division is loaded. You would know as a Kings fan, and I think there's there's two there's two things. I brought up health once, but the second thing is no offense to Ty Lue, he's not as good as Steve Kerr. He's not Steve Kerr as a head, as a as a head coach. So no offense to Ty Lue, but but the co- but the coaching isn't as good, and you can't rely on them to stay healthy. So I obviously I think the Clippers with this move, and if somehow Wall could play, you know, 50, 60 games are definitely a playoff team. 
I just think they're going to have a difficult time competing for a championship. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I forgot Tyron Luto. Yeah, you know, he's not great. He was not great in Cleveland. Um, you know, helped to have LeBron James with him. So, yeah, I just say, yeah, with the Clippers, I, I think they 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 have the talent. They all stay healthy. But, yeah, you mentioned two seekers, just a all-around great coach. And, um, you know, I don't see him – I don't see Lou out coaching him in the NBA in, – in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think the Clippers have the talent to make a run. But, yeah, I just – I can't see those three guys being healthy enough. And I think they'd probably hurt themselves seeding-wise going in the playoffs, which – which could make a difference. So yeah, Clippers have the talent, but yeah, just too many unknowns. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll stay in Los Angeles and talk about Russell Westbrook as he opts into the final year of his contract, 47.1 million. Uh, and the, and the thing is, is uh, with, with Westbrook, you know, I think this was, I think this is so obvious because obviously if he, he opted out, there is no one that is even going to give him anywhere in the ballpark of that kind of money, seeing the season that he had last year. Um, so uh, for the Lakers, it's going to be very, very hard to try. I know they're going to try to trade him. I think it's going to be very, very difficult to trade him. I don't think anybody's going to take that. That, that, that is going to take that cap hit. So I think I think the Lakers pretty much have no choice. They're going to have to try to run it back and hope the new coach, that Darwin Ham, that the new coach is going to help, and and that AD and LeBron stay healthy. But I still think this Laker team. I think they can get back to the playoffs. But I think it's still just like it's just like with the Clippers. I think it's I still I still think it's gonna be very very hard to see them as a title contender because Russell Westbrook his best days are behind them. Uh, AD has trouble staying healthy, and LeBron for how great LeBron is, he's just a little bit. He's, he's starting to uh, he's starting he's not as as amazing as he, as he once was, even though he's still outstanding. Yeah, for the Lakers and Russell Westbrook, yeah. Yeah, you kind of knew this was coming. Yeah, forty-seven million. No, no way, nobody was gonna give him that amount in the open market. Um, so you kind of figured he was gonna do that. You know, now they gotta kind of sign AD. We'll see what he gets. And and I think for the Lakers too. It's, yeah, you meant they're gonna have to sign a ton of probably if they sign AD two back. They're gonna have to sign a ton of just minimum veteran contracts, and that's just not gonna work. Um, as you mentioned, you know, LeBron. LeBron's still a great player, but he's missed time the last couple of years. AD's missed a ton of time. You can't expect him to be healthy and play a ton. So I think with all that and Russell Westbrook, if he's your main guy out there, it just it doesn't work as we've seen the last couple of years. He's not a great shooter whatsoever. Um, and it's going to be problematic. Again, he, he stays healthy, but, you know, productive-wise, he's just not great and – yeah, I think the Lakers are probably a playoff team, but I don't see them going much farther than that. LeBron could maybe carry him for a series or two, but I can't see them knocking off the top tier teams in the Western Conference. Um, this would be a little bit too difficult. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely not, absolutely not. I mean, I, I think they'll obviously be better than last year, but I just it's very, very hard. It's very hard for me to see them uh, uh, competing for a championship. But we got to continue to talk about uh, free. We got to get into free agency now and. Uh, We'll start with uh, James Harden of the Sixers. I think it's pretty obvious what James Harden is going to do. He's not going to walk away from the uh, from the forty seven million. Uh, I think it'd be dumb for him not to opt in because obviously, if he opts out, he's not again just like Russell Westbrook. He's not even getting close to the amount of money he would be getting if he had, if he had opted in. So I, I, th- I think that uh, I, I think that uh, he's definitely going to opt in, and the Sixers are probably they shouldn't get they're definitely not going to give him a max deal, but I think they're going to figure out some sort of contract extension. Obviously, he's not the player he once was, but he still is a good player. He's not a great player anymore, but he still is a good player and definitely could help that help that that core with uh, help help that team with with Embiid, but the def- the Sixers definitely still need to get another guy because I still don't think he's enough to get them over the hump against teams like the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks and the Nets. So, he's he's going to it's obvious that he's going to opt in because if he doesn't, that would be a terrible that would be a, a, compl- a terrible move by him. Yeah, absolutely. I do think he opts in back to play with the Sixers. Um, yeah, you, you know, definitely not the same guy he once was. And, you know, the shooting numbers are starting to fall off there a little bit as well for him. Um, so he wasn't great during the playoffs again. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, they probably figure it out. They definitely need a third guy uh, or another guy. To, Tobias Harris is a good one. And, again, they, they made a mistake with that one of, Keeping Tobias Harris over uh, Jimmy Butler, that they swung and miss at that one. 
And yeah, for you know, they'll help out, you know, with Joel and B. I think the Sixers are still a good team. Uh definitely think James Harden comes, you know, opts back into that deal. I just think it's gonna be I think the Sixers right now probably like the fifth best team in that conference in the Eastern Conference right now. You know, and beat had an amazing year, but you know, Tyrese Maxey really came into his own this year and he looked good. Um, but yeah, I think they just they need another guy and I think James Harden too kind of been made up to the last couple of years. You know, he played sixty five games pretty good, but um, you know, I think he, you know, might play a little bit less than that next year, just you know, aging a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I think for the I think for the Sixers, if for James Harden, they'll figure something out couple years you know probably like a two-year deal and yeah you know they they're probably like a five seed in the uh Eastern Conference next year oh, oh, oh yeah yeah I mean yeah they just have they have to figure something out that's team friendly they can't be giving them a max deal because you cannot give a player max money that didn't deserve it you saw him in the playoffs he was he was not even close to what he was you know three four years ago so yeah the Sixers just got to give him a give him a team friendly deal yeah, you think they will, you know. I know he's had a good relationship with um Moore there from their time in Houston. So you you think they'll, you know, they'll kind of figure it out. They'll give them something. Again, I, I think the Sixers, they gave up a lot for Harden too. So in their case too, they kind of do have to figure it out because you gave up a lot there as well. And to not get anything for them, um, it's gonna be a tough little swallow for Philly fans. So even though it's not the James Harden that they were expecting to get, you still, you know, gave up a couple first round picks as well. Um Oh yeah, it'll be it'll be difficult there for the Sixers if they don't resign him. So yeah, I figured he'll get a uh, couple year deal to in Philly the next couple years. Absolutely, absolutely. Next is a uh, Bradley Beal, and it looks like he's gonna he's going to uh, co- come back to Washington. Uh, it, it's it's either gonna be it's either gonna be two ways. He'll opt into that thirty six million dollar deal, or he'll uh, or he'll opt out and then Washington will give him the super max. There's, there there is a very good chance he's gonna stay in Washington, but say he doesn't. I think two of the best fits for Bradley Beal would be the first one. I would say would be the Miami Heat. I think the Miami got a comment right here, uh, and Tom, Tom just commented. I'll catch the rest of the show later. Have a great, have a, I have a meeting. Take care. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you for listening to, to the show again. He's been listening for the last couple of weeks, so thank you, Tommy, for listening to the show. But uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, yeah, I think Bradley Beal. The two best fits for Beal are the, uh, the they're the uh, Miami Heat. Because, it, but even though the Heat will have to give up Tyler Hero, they're definitely going to have to give up. Uh, they're de- I think they're going to have to give up Tyler Hero when assigned a trade, and then the Boston Celtics. I think he would be; those would be two really, really good fits for Bradley Beal. He would be on two championship contenders because of Washington. He could take a bunch of money in Washington, but he's not going to be able to compete for a championship. I think if he goes to one of these two teams, he'll definitely be able to compete for a championship. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have one of the teams. I have the Heat as well. For first one here for uh, Bradley Beal, yeah, they definitely could. Yeah, it means you lose a um, Tyler Hero type guy, but they're bringing Bradley Beal, who's been really productive, um, pairing him with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I think that'd be a really good combo. Um, that'd be a really dangerous team in the Eastern Conference. So I uh, uh, heat there. And then my other one was the Spurs. I think he's a guy that kind of fits. They they really showed the miss there. They really showed three point shooting last year. Yeah, he come in and help that right away. Um, you know, they missed the playoffs last year. I expected Spurs to get better. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, it's a farther kind of, you know, maybe it's not one of the top odds there for him to go to San Antonio. Um, but they need another score to pair with um with Murray, who had a really, really good year. So they can kind of get those two guards. Maybe they could be a team that sneaks in the playoffs. Maybe they can upset a team or two in the Western Conference. So I had the heat in the Spurs. Yeah, so now we will go to Zach Levine. And Zach Levine, very good player, averaged 24 points a game with the Bulls. But the issue with Zach Levine is he does he make players around him better? I don't think he does a really great job of that. But he is definitely a really, really good number two. That's why I got two destinations for him. I think the first destination is the Portland Trailblazers. They went out and traded for Jerry Grant. Now they, they I think there's a there's a uh, there's a really good chance that now they need Dame needs a number two. I think that Brad, that uh, Bradley Beal could definitely be that. No, no, I mean uh, Zach Levine could be that number two for Dame Lillard. If the if the Blazers want to keep Dame Lillard around, I think it'd be very, very smart for them to continue to add to this roster and get a Brad, get a Zach Levine to replace CJ McCollum, who they got rid of, who they traded last year. And then my second team is the Dallas Mavericks. They already got Christian Wood. Why not add someone else and to get Wood, Levine, and Luca? 
that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good big three right there. Uh, Zach Levine would be a real, I think, a really really good fit on the Dallas Mavericks. So I would definitely say the Mavericks are. I would say the Mavericks and the Blazers. Those are my two best fits for Zach Levine. Yeah, and uh, Levine there for Trailblazers too. He's from Washington, so I know he's been kind of, you know, the Kings have been after him the last couple of years. I know he was interested in them and, and with the Trailblazers as well. So he'd be interested, I think, to kind of go back home, play somewhere up and up in the Northwest. So I could totally see the Trailblazers possible. Um, I'm with you too with that. I have Dallas as my first one. Yeah, I think if they lose Jalen Brunson here in free agency, I think he's a guy that put pair very well with Luka Doncic. Um, both guys are very athletic. Um, yeah, Levine's probably not a guy that makes guys better around him, but you got you, but you know, you don't really have to worry about that with a guy like Luca. And as you mentioned, too, adding Christian Wood, too, I think that'd be a really good kind of um three combo or you know, really good three players right there. Trying as Dallas tries to break into there to that top, um, top tier of the Western Conference. And then my second one was back to San Antonio. I think he kind of fits well with your scheme there. He kind of got Murray, so he doesn't have to, you know be the one, you know, he kind of played more off ball. I think he's a really good defender, um, you know, really good athlete. So I, I think, you know, Zach Levine could also be a very nice fit for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and, it, you know, with the same thing with Beal, trying to get them back into the playoffs, you know, as maybe one of the last seeds there in the Western Conference. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now we'll go to DeAndre and He is a restricted free agent, so – so, uh, so the net. So uh, even if a team tries to sign him, if the if the if the Suns match that offer, Hills will go back to the Suns. So he is a restricted free agent, restricted free agent. But I think the best fits would be if the Suns don't match an offer sheet with another team with with another team. I think the two best fits would be one would be the San Antonio Spurs. I think they need a center. Have another good player with Deontay Murray. This team, the Spurs need talent. The Spurs need talent. As 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 as, as we've learned, systems can only take you so far. You know, as a Patriots fan. Systems can only take you so far. Players win you championships. And when the Spurs won championships, they had David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard, Manu Ginobili. Players win championships. So I, I think the Spurs, they have not been – they, yes, they've been in the play-in tournament. They have not made the playoffs uh, uh, since uh, since uh, 2000, uh, I think 2019. So it's been th- it's been three years since the Spurs have been in the been – they've missed the playoffs the last – they missed the playoffs three years in a row which for them is, 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 is crazy, but that's why I think they need to, to get some talent. And I, and I think that's why, you know, signing a DeAndre eight would make sense. And then second would be the Hawks, you know, him and Trey young off the pick and roll. That would be a really, really great pick and roll combination. Get, he would clearly be their second best player. The Hawks Capel is getting up there in age and they would, so they would need a center. So my, my, my two best fits for DeAndre eight would be the, uh, would be the, would be the Hawks and it would be the Spurs. For me, um, I got him going my first one for eight, and I got the Pistons. You had him with Ivy, Kate Cunningham. Uh, really be a really, really good kind of duo there. Or, I mean, three guys right there. Three young, talented guys as Detroit tries to get back to, um, you know, tries to get kind of – because I do think Detroit's a year year or two away with those two guards. You added a guy like Aiden, um, you know, they, they could kind of – they, they can – kind of be one of the top half teams in the Eastern Conference in a couple of years, you know, and then, you know, Marvin Bagley too played a lot better with, with the Pistons as well. So, you know, for another size, cause Bagley's not a very good defender. Um, you can bring Aiton in there. He's a really good physical defender. Um, so there I have DeAndre Aiton for number one, going to Detroit. My second one, I have him going to Toronto. I, I think, you know, Toronto's got some really good wing guys. We saw Siakam play more center, but if they can get kind of more traditional, you know, where, because I think Siakam's a little bit better as a power forward than a center. They didn't get Aiton in there at, at, and put him at center, you know, because I know they um, drafted Coloco out of Arizona, but he's still really raw and he's second rounder. So, you know, I don't know how much potential he's got there, but I think he's a guy that, um, you know, at the center spot, Toronto plays in a really tough division, that Atlantic one. So I think you got Aiton there for the size up front for Toronto. Um, and for them trying to make another kind of push their niche conference to get back to the finals. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And the last one is Jalen Brunson. And this one's pretty obvious. I didn't even pick two teams because it's so obvious the team he's, he's got to go to. And that's the Knicks. His dad's an assistant coach. The Knicks need a point guard. Is there any more of a perfect situation? Is there any more? Is there anything more obvious than Jalen Brunson going to the Knicks? 
I mean, I, I think he absolutely has to go to the Knicks, in my opinion. He's He's got to be a Nick. He's got to be. So, I didn't even pick a second team. <laughs> There's one great fit for Jalen Brunson. The other fit would be going back to the Mavs, but – there's one out. There's one great fit for Jalen Brunson, and that would be him being a New York Nick. And yes, he won't make the team great, but he would definitely probably get this help. He would probably get that team back in in, in the playoffs, or at least back in the playing tournament. So, I I think I didn't even pick two teams. My best fit for Jalen Brunson is him being a New York Nick. Yeah, I got the Knicks there at as the top one. Yeah, I'm like you saw what Derrick Rose is able to do. I mean, when Derrick Rose went out, went out when you saw the Knicks had no ball movement. They they really could not, you know, they really struggled, you know, offensively to kind of get in that playmaker role. You had a guy like Jalen Brunson, I, you know, you know, that absolutely helps that team out. And Jalen Brunson, I think, fits the Tom Thibodeau scheme very well. He's a tough, physical, downhill guy, um, not afraid of contact. So, yeah, you know, I, I think Jalen Brunson fits really well. I did put at number two with the Pacers, going back with Carlisle. I know there's some rumors that, the Pacers have been trying to get rid of Malcolm Brogdon that they do. Maybe filling that shoes with um, Jalen Brunson there. I know they have Halburn who could play the point as well, but you could also have, you know, Brunson there. Um, I know Carl was a big fan of him when he drafted Jalen Brunson back in the second round a couple of years ago. So I did put the Pacers there number two, but I, I'm with you. It's the, 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 the Knicks have to get this guy if he, if he does not want to return to Dallas. Oh, oh, absolutely. There's, there is no way. It, it will not be good if the Knicks don't wind up getting a point guard, or if the Knicks don't want the Knicks need first. The first choice the Knicks need to is just, just because the Knicks uh, passed on Jaden that didn't trade up for Jaden Ivey. They, they need to get Jalen Brunson. It will not be a good offseason if the Knicks don't get uh, Jalen Brunson. But the Yankees and Red Sox continue to roll. But before we talk about that, we got an ad from Clovercrest Media. Apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. So what a series it was for the Yankees. I mean, I guess that, what a great series that was. Obviously, it started thir- against that Yankees-Astros series this weekend. What a great series. It started on Thursday night with the Yankees down 6-3 in the ninth. Aaron Hicks off Ryan, off Ryan Presley, three-run home. Then Aaron Judge gets the game-winning hit. And then, they, obviously, Astros win Friday. And then Saturday, the Astros are a combined no-hitter. So they went – yeah, it looks but, – but on, and on Sunday, they had a no-hitter going into the sixth inning until Stan hit a home run. So you're thinking – uh, you go into the eighth inning. Looks like the Astros are going to take two out of three. But then DJ LeMayu comes up with a big hit, and then Aaron Judge in the ninth in, in, in the tenth inning with a game-winning home run to, to 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 get the Yankees that victory. And it was an outstanding series with the Astros. This is just, and we said it: if the Yankees go nine and four in this stretch against Toronto, Houston, and Tampa, this team is special. I think this team not only is the best team in baseball, but this team is a special team. This is a team that just is never out of a game. It's just, it's just you know, a lot of years, you know, the, the loss, you know, uh, really there were really four games. There's been four games in the last week where the Yankees have came back from down, from, from three runs down. All four of those, even last night against a, t- a terrible team like the A's, 
Last year, all four of those games would have been losses. So this team is proving that that they, that they are that they are special. I mean, just just whenever they need a hit, they get it. And it's the it's the guys like the Aaron Hickses who are not who, who, who it seems like he's not having a good statistical season. But whenever this team needs a hit, he seems to get. It. You know, you know, it's it's just you know. It, it, it just, it just seems like whenever he needs a hit, he gets it. And then D.J. LeMay, who's not having a great statistical season, when they need, when they, when they need a hit, D.J. LeMay gets it. And then Aaron Judge in the clutch, he's, he is so, so reliable. He gets so many huge hits for this team. And uh, this is just, just such an enjoyable season as a Yankee fan, seeing where they are right now, 54-20, and 20, only one game behind where the 98 Yankees were after 74 games. Yeah, it's – been impressive it's been you know um yeah as you mentioned like the four comeback wins in the last week here yeah like last night you know your your bad start for monty he's been actually a, you know fourth or fifth straight start there for monty it's not been great but they find a way to kind of come back against yeah it's a horrible A's team. i mean yeah against a horrible A's team um you know thursday night's game was you know that that was that was crazy Again, I don't know why they threw Georgia pitch there at three off. Like, why would you even come anywhere close to the zone? I I didn't make much sense to me there. And then, you know, and I know they didn't get to his arbitration. I know they sell the poor the arbitration hearing, but how can Brian Cashman say one bad thing at that hearing about Aaron Judge? The, you know, and I know it doesn't supposed to count for what he's done so far this year, but um he he's been so good and obviously right now the you know the the guy to beat right now in the um MVP race. Yeah, Hicks has been Hicks has been good when, when they need a hit. Um uh, you know, Matt Carpenter's been good when they need him off the bench. You know, like it's just it's been, yeah, it's just been when this team needs a hit. And that's something that hasn't happened the last couple of years. It just kind of seems when the bats are, you know, when they need that big play, it's usually a strikeout and, and you know, uh, nothing really good happens for him. But yeah, this year it, it's been really, really fun to watch. Um, you know, because you know, Judge has been great. You know, Sam looks like he's starting to turn a corner now once again and kind of looks like he's going to go on one of those impressive hot streaks. Um, so, you know, they kind of, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's – again, I know they didn't hit Verlander very well on Friday night, but it's Saturday they got no hit. But the, and, and going down the sixth inning where you've gone, like, what, 15 straight innings without hit, to somehow come back and win that game is it, really impressive. They kind of just kind of keep going, find a way to – just get a couple and they, they were able to do it. So yeah, this team's been just so, so special right now. They're putting a seven thirty clip, you know, they didn't lead all weekend besides the two walk-off hits. It was the only time they led. So to get a split out of that against a good Houston team is again, you, you, you take it. Oh, without question, without question. And I think the biggest, I think the thing that's pretty obvious is the Yankees are the favorite to go to the world series in the American league. But the question is, who is their biggest threat to get to get? Uh, who is their biggest threat in terms of them getting to the World Series? And I think that's pretty obvious too. And I think that's the Houston Astros. I, I think it's the Astros. I know offensively this team hasn't been as good this year. Altuve and Bregman haven't had as good years. But Alvarez has been outstanding. I mean, Jordan Alvarez is in the MVP conversation there, and Judge and the Astros pitching has been phenomenal. I mean, Verlander has came back off Tommy John. He's had a great year. Framer Valdez, he's had a good year. You saw Christian Javier the other night. Their pitching has been outstanding, and their bullpen, which, which yes, the Yankees, the Yankees uh, did a really good job against their bullpen. Their bullpen is still one of the best in baseball. Now they're going to have, they might have some trouble at Yankee Stadium uh, in October, but their bullpen is outstanding. So that's why I would say the Astros are still the second best team in the American League, and they're, and they're the defending American League champs. And they've won the American League three of the last five years. And, and uh, the Red Sox and Blue Jays, I think those are the two teams behind them. They can't say that. So that's why I would say the uh, Astros are definitely the biggest threat to the Yankees in terms of them getting to the World Series. Yeah, I think they are. I I did almost go with the Red Sox there, but I just, you know, I think there's still a little bit of pitching concerns there, just a little bit. But um. Yeah, I think, you know, the Astros right now are because I think the Astros are co- very confident in the Yankees. Um, you know, Altuve destroyed them again this weekend. Um, he's always been great against them. You know, really doesn't matter. But, yeah, you know, the Astros bullpen, like, they, they've hit Presley really well. He's, what, is he right now against the Yankees, like, a five or a six? Like, they, they, they've they been really impressive against him. Um, 
but yeah, like that rotation, they, you know, they find a way to kind of silence their bats, which does worry me. But at this point, you know, the Yankees should have home field um, for the playoffs as they're seven games up on them right now. But yeah, that, you know, that Astro team, because they're just, a lot of them have this one before, you know, they're not afraid of coming to New York in, in, in October and play these guys. So I, I think, you know, the Astros are a really, really good team. Yeah, I think they definitely are. You know, Bergman, I think, you know, if postseason lights come on, I think he'll he'll play well. Um, you know, Alvarez has been has had an amazing year. I know, you know, bound the lineup hasn't been great for the Astros, but um again that that's that top of the order though, it's tough to navigate. And I, I think, you know, with the way the Astros pitchers have pitched against the Yankees hitters, I, you know, they only need to kind of score a handful of runs, you know, against against you know, they kind of be in that game. So, yeah, for the, for I, I do agree with you that the Astros right now are the toughest competitors or toughest, uh, yeah, toughest opponent for the Yankees to get to the World Series. But I do think their offense is going to be what what keeps them from the World Series because if you look at the the two games, they had they had a couple three run leads against the Yankees, and the two games they lost, they had three run leads against the Yankees pretty early on. They had they had a three run lead against the Yankees in the fourth inning, in, in the in the game on Thursday night, they couldn't tack on. Same thing on Sunday. They couldn't tack on. So their offense, I think, is what's going to be the one th- is going to be the thing that keeps them from the World Series this year. Yeah, it definitely could be. And you know, we'll see if they make a move to go get another hitter at the deadline. Um, wouldn't be shocked. Usually, the Astros are pretty aggressive there. You know, maybe they go get you know like a center fielder out there. You know, I don't know if like Pirates like Brian Reynolds is going to be available, but something along the lines of that is you know get another bat in that lineup. I think is, is very possible for Houston. Um, but yeah, the way that lineup stands right now, it, it definitely could be, you know, because you know their their staff has really been, you know, so good and kind of keeping them in games because you know they're third in their division and run scored in in that division, which you know, you know Texas and, and the Angels right now are not great. They're the two teams ahead of them. Um, but yeah, so it's been the pitching staff to, that that has really kept them in games. And yeah, you know, this weekend, yeah, they could never tack on as you mentioned. And yeah, it kind of hurt them there. You know, they had a couple of three run leads you know, Thursday night. You know, they went up three nothing, then Sand hit the three run bomb. And then yet again, they kind of scored six runs there against Ione, but um, couldn't really do much against that the rest of the game. Absolutely. Yep. 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 Absolutely. 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 So we'll move on to the Red Sox. And they had a great weekend. I mean, I know they lost last night, but they had a great weekend. They went into Cleveland and they swept the Guardians. And uh, I think they're doing it with their starting pitching. I mean, even with uh, even with uh, Avaldi out, and obviously Sales been out, uh, Pavetta and Waka Waka's been such a good pickup for the team. Pavetta's pitched really well this year, and their offenses their offense has been uh, their offense has been really good again. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Verdugo stepped up big time this week. I like Jared Duran leading off. I like that they haven't been playing Kike Hernandez. I like the fact that Jared Duran has been leading off. Even Ref Snyder's helped them. Obviously, you got Devers who's had a great year, and JD and. Uh, Bogarts who've had good years too. And the one thing I've been critical with the Red Sox about has been their closer, Tanner Houck, six for six. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you know, KK's still actually out with injury. I think they're oh, hoping gotcha. to be back next week. Gotcha. Um, but but the thing is, is I yeah, think but, if yeah. he, if he, when he comes back, yeah, uh, they should not. He sh- Jared Duran should be the everyday center fielder. He should be the everyday center fielder. The guy's hitting over 300. KK was hitting like mm-hmm. 205 Two. or something. Yeah, it it's something around there. It was, not, it was not good at all. So I think no. Jared Duran has got to be that that everyday center fielder because that sets everything up. Gets it, you know, it gets a runner on for Devers. I think the big reason Devers doesn't have as many RBIs as like you know some of the top guys in the league is because he's had he had a terrible leadoff hitter in front of him before this uh, uh, at the beginning of the season. So I think that if even when Kike comes back, Duran has got to be playing every day. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, he's at two hundred nine and he's on bases. Uh, 273. So that's still even on their league average. So yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, uh, they were talking about that this weekend, uh, you know, doing the game and, you know, uh, Kike, yeah, his average is 209 and how, you know, he's 500 so far, you know, just getting on base wise so far when he's been in the leadoff hole. And I think that's really helped because Jaron Duran last year, I never understood why he, sw- you know, he was always trying to swing for fences because he was a guy that I felt like with his speed just to try to put the ball in play. And he's really – and they've done that, and he's really done that this season. It's just putting the ball in play. Now, it hurts this week that he's not vaccinated and he's not there with, 
Hauk, uh, you know, in Toronto, which I think kind of hurt last night, even though Russ Snyder has played well. Yeah, definitely. That's um, a good. That's a really good point about Hauk and uh, especially Hauk not being vaccinated because yeah. there could be a game. We've seen this with the Red Sox this year where they're up by one run and they lose in the ninth thing. That's a really good point about Tanner Hauk not being not being with them. Yeah, it actually hurt them the first time they played up in Toronto. They had two games where they could have used Hauk and they didn't, and they they blew it. You know, so um, yeah, it, it could be something where I, I know October is a long way away takes a change but you might be playing these guys in the postseason and those are two guys you would like to have in in kind of on your roster um but yeah this this red sox team right now they're they're playing a lot of good they're playing really good baseball right now that lineup's um coming together you know even dollbacks kind of been better you know again cordero hit a bomb i believe a couple you know uh a couple days ago like this lineup's really done it you know rich hill um uh, you know pitched pretty well on sunday against cleveland yeah, guys have been hurt. Kind of Seaball, I thought, looked good until the fifth. He left a couple of pitches up, you know, early on in the game that kind of hurt him, and then the fifth he kind of lost last night. But, yeah, Pavetta's bounced back really well. It's, uh, you know, they're, you know, we're going to find out a lot. I think, you know, they're right now on kind of a trend here where 29 of the next 32 games are against teams that right now could be in the postseason. So this is a big, long stretch here for the Red Sox that, you know, um, it's going to be a really tough stretch here, but so far they, they've been playing some really good baseball. You know, they start out 11, 11 and 20. Now they're 42 and 32. So Alex Cora is one of the best baseballs and in, in, one of the best managers in all of baseball. He absolutely outmanaged uh, Terry for all, all weekend as well. Um, Terry did not have one of his best. That That's probably one of the come with a couple of like the worst kind of in-game manager I've seen from Terry for just kind of left a couple of leaves in there to hang hung them out to dry, but um, yeah, this Red Sox team right now, they're playing well. They lost last night. They're 2-6 and six now against the Blue Jays, which is kind of a concern is they're kind of yeah, – I know there's still a lot of games left against them, but you're kind of neck and neck there. And those kind of – the head-to-head could matter Um, if it, goes, if it comes down to it at the end of the year. Absolutely. We saw that last year with the Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Yankees when they were so close for those for those wild-card spots. But you brought up their 2-6 and six record against the Blue Jays. The big question is, is – are they the second best team in the AL East? And in my opinion, they're not. I think it's the Blue Jays because I like their two, their top two stars, the Blue Jays, with Manoa and Gosman. And I think some of the Blue Jay hitters haven't really got that hot yet. I mean, Guerrero, he's had a good year, but not a great year. Springer and Springer and uh, uh, Bichette really haven't gotten hot. Haven't got, haven't gotten that hot yet. And, and uh, Chapman and uh, Guerrero have had down years. So I don't think the Blue Jays' offense has 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 been as good as we thought it was as has. Has gotten hot yet? So I think combined with with their with the Blue Jays' offense and their their top end starting pitching, and they got a good closer in Jordan Romano, I would say that the Blue Jays are the second best team in the in the AL East. But Justin, despite their two and six record against the Blue Jays, are the Red Sox the second best team in the American League East? I think the Red Sox are a little bit better than the Blue Jays. I know the record doesn't indicate that. I like Core better than Montoya. I know right now the Jays price stats better. I know there's a lot of issues right now with um, Rios has really struggled. And even, um, you know, you say has also struggled. And Blue Jays, you know, Alejandro Kirk's really stepped up and he's played well this year at catcher. Um, but I, I think the Red Sox, like, when they get Chris Sale back, when Navaldi comes back, when they get Paxson back, you know, Tyner Hawks probably going to be the full-time closer here. Garrett Willock's going to be in the bullpen. You know, that lineup kind of comes back fully. I, I think, you know, I think the Red Sox will be the better team than them. I, the Blue Jays, I know the bullpen's better than it was last year. I still kind of concerned about that. Um, I like that Red Sox team because it's a team that kind of knows October baseball. Like, if they get there, you know, if, if they're kind of September kind of – you know, they, 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 they played in big games against, you know, the Yankees, Astros and all that. And yeah, I know they could take care of business. I don't know about that with Toronto. Um, I, I think the Red Sox are a little bit better than Toronto. It, it's very close. I know the record kind of indicates that the Red Sox are the better team. I mean, the Blue Jays are the better team, but just top to bottom two, the Red Sox lineup. I have to take that. Even like Vasquez has, has kind of come up big, um, you know, Cordero, you know, Verdugo, Verdugo's starting to hit better as well. Like, I, I just think top to bottom, the Blue Jays lineup is really, really good as well. Top to bottom, I think the Red Sox, too, are tough it out as anybody major in the major leagues. 
Yeah, you made a good point about the manager. And I, I would take Alex Cora over, over Charlie Montoya any day of the week. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, you saw what Montoya happened last year. They fell apart there. And they core, again, this team could have fell apart at 11 20. You know, they don't have core in that dugout. They probably do fall apart. Core's probably the one that, you know, Core's kind of the rally guy, you know. Again, he's been, he's been unbelievable. So, yeah, you know, I, I think, yeah, the manager, yeah, big part of it. And I think that's kind of too, he's been a big part of why the Red Sox have really turned this thing around. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because remember the Red Sox two years ago, they were falling off and then they, they hired Cora back last year to get to the ALCS. And this year they're in really, they're in, they're in great position to get to the postseason again. Yeah, they absolutely are. You know, you saw 2020 yeah, under, uh, what's his name? Um, I can't remember now. Oh, but, Ron um, Renicky. Ron Renicky. Yeah, Renicky. That, that was, you know, that, that team didn't show up, you know, most days and it just kind of, um, you know, he, they, they did not play for him. It's, it's, you kind of saw that here. I know they were not great roster rise, but they had some, so some good players on that team and they were one of the worst teams in baseball. So yeah, now, yeah, with, with core back, it, it's been a lot different. And, you know, last year kind of, they came out of nowhere, the slow start this year, but they really haven't, you know, they, they figured a way to get out of that and what they're 19 and five now this month. So they've been on an impressive clip and, you know, I know there's still 12 games back of the Yankees, but still it, for the month that they've had, they, they you know, um, it's you know they've been on an unbelievable run like like the Yankees have lately. Um, it, it's been impressive. It absolutely is. And it's going to be great to watch those teams go at it next week at Fenway. It's going to be really really fun to watch those two teams. Four game series at Fenway next week. We'll definitely be talking about it. It's going to be so great to see those teams uh, go going up against each other next week at Fenway. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Red Sox are a lot different team than we saw in the first weekend at Yankee Stadium, and even the Yankees they they weren't playing great there too. So. Yeah, two of the best teams right now, or two of the hottest teams in all Major League Baseball. You know, big four-game series. And uh, may not matter much for the division because it's, you know, such a wide margin. But, again, it's bragging rights and, you know, the two franchises, you know, and fan bases can't stand each other. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we recap the Stanley Cup final, we got to talk about what happened. Another thing that happened on Sunday, and that was a brawl between the Angels and Mariners. And this was a crazy brawl. Set this In the second inning, Jesse Winker gets hit. Uh, Scott, Sir, Scott Service, the manager of the Mariners, wants the Angels pitcher to be ejected. And then Jesse Winker starts running towards Phil Nevin, and then it, then all hell broke loose. It went crazy. This thing was nuts. It had stopped one time, and then it, it, it kept going. It was, it was crazy. This is one of the craziest brawls I have seen in a while. And there were a ton of suspensions. Obviously, Phil Nevin, 10 games. Jesse Winker, 7 games. Uh, J.P. Crawford. Uh, and Anthony Rendon, a guy who's out for the season. You know when a brawl is crazy, when a guy who is out for the season is in the middle of the brawl. You know a brawl is crazy when a guy who's not even who's not even going to play this year is in the middle yeah. of the brawl. So Anthony Rendon, five games. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, Rafael Iglesias. Uh, I think I think one of the Angels interpreters got a two games. Yeah, it's a Spanish that, interpreter. Yeah, that's yeah. how you knew. That's yeah. how you knew. <laughs> this, this thing was out of control, yeah. this brawl. This was crazy, so. Crazy day for it was a crazy brawl for two teams that have two underachieving teams that are probably not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, um, it was very that was a uh, wild brawl there. Um, you know, again, they, they played eight games in 11 days, like I that's kind of going to happen. Teams are boiling over, both teams just kind of had higher expectations, you know. Um, Phil Nevin probably trying to, you know, we know Phil Nevin's a fiery guy, and and you know. Um, you know, he, he's very passionate and, you know, I, I don't know with bringing in that, um, opener there at the last minute for the game was try to wake up call after they went after, even though I don't think the Mariners tried to hit trout Saturday night because it made no sense because they were up or the Mariners were up too. you hit trout, you bring up both times to tying run. Like that, that wouldn't make much sense. So, um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen a manager get, 10 game suspension like that. Again, I think he purposely probably tried to go out there and they probably tried to go hit the Mariners guys. But yeah, that was a crazy brawl there. Uh, yeah, like having the Spanish interpreter getting, um, you know, it's, that, that may never happen. And Rendon, because he actually hit somebody with the hand that, because with his hand injury with the cast on it. So he could have even more damaged his, his injured hand. But, um, uh, I don't know if he did or not, but yeah, it just, it's, 
it's it's hard. It's that was uh yeah, that was one of the crazy brawls to see. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That, that, that thing, that thing was the thing was out of control. That thing was that thing was absolutely crazy. <laughs> but the for the first time in over twenty years, the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. But before we talk about that. We're going to hear from our friends from Shamrock Home Inspections. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. So Sunday night, the for the first time since 2001, they had Joe Sackick and Patrick Waugh. The Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. They beat the Lightning 2-1 uh, to one in Game 6. They win the series in six games. They were the best team in hockey all year. They went, they went six. And they didn't have a series that went seven games. I think this was the only series that went six games for them. So they were completely dominant. They swept the best player in the game, Connor McDavid, in four games. I knew when that happened. They were going to be a really, really tough out for a Lightning team that is that has been outstanding over the last three years, getting three straight Stanley Cups. So it was it was a good Stanley Cup, but the Avalanche proved they were clearly the better team. And Justin, the first question is: is why did the Avalanche win this series? The Avalanche they they won the series. They were you know I think they kind of wore down Tampa Bay there. Um, last couple of games you saw Tampa Bay in the third period only had a handful of shots. They really could not get much of a push going. Um, you know, and I think for Colorado, they kind of just, you know, they just didn't go away again. They, you know, Tampa Bay scored 30 seconds in that game Sunday night, kind of figured, all right, you know, bad surfer, you know, figured Tampa Bay was going to kind of use that and kind of run away with that. But they didn't do much after that. You know, um, Colorado did a really nice job of kind of slowing down that kind of top line there of Tampa Bay. And, um, you know, Kemper's not a great goalie, but. Yeah, he played well enough to get him a win. Um, they, they did enough defensively as well. They're really good defensively. And I think they knew too, like Vasquez's numbers in elimination games are unbelievable. I think he saved friends like a you know 950, something around there. Like it's been really impressive with a couple shutouts. Uh, they they probably knew they were not gonna get much, so they had to play really, really well in their um in their own zone. And they 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 did, they played well enough. Um, you know, they kind of stayed out of the box too. And kind of kept the you know kept Tampa Bay off of the power play. They needed to do that. You know, this Colorado team, I'd say they just had a little bit too much for Tampa Bay. Um, definitely a good series, but you know they kind of lost Game Five. And you kind of you know had to go back to Tampa Bay there, and they they you know they they kind of um, you know they they you know they they um they bounced back really really well for impressive young team like that. That it's their core is really really young. Um, it's an impressive group of guys that they got there. And yeah, Colorado just a little bit better, uh, but it was definitely the two best teams in National Hockey League uh, that we saw there in the Stanley Cup. You talk about their core being young with players like Nathan McKinnon and uh, Kale McCarr. Can the Avalanche win multiple championships over the next five, ten years with the young core they have? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they can. Um, you know, their division right now is not great. You know, like they should. You know, while they're pretty good, the Blues got some young guys. You know, we'll see what Edmonton does. I think the Knights will be back next year. The King, the Kings are going to come back. The Kings got a very nice young core. They were ahead of schedule too. Like the Rangers were. Like you know, they're they're you know you'll very soon see them back up in the Western Conference Finals in the next couple of years. But I absolutely, I think Kale McCarr. I think again, he's getting you know he's already getting in comparison to Bobby Orr as a defenseman and just how electric he can be offensively. Um, you know that's impressive. You know McKinnon, you know. Unbelievable, Landis Goffs, who's going to be thirty, but he's been the captain here for. He's been the captain since he's nineteen years old. You know, um, he's been here a while. Like you know, Lekkinen as well. He's twenty six. Like they just got some young guys, and usually you see teams that win the Stanley Cup have that Hall of Fame type goalie. Kemper's not that guy, but I think with everything they have around them, 
that they're good enough. And I think Kemper is decent enough where if you have a good enough team around him, he'll be able to keep you in it, you know, most nights and, and you're going to, you know, you know, fare very well. That's what they did. So, yeah, I think Colorado's got a really good chance here to really go on a dynasty like like they did, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. So Tampa could not win their third consecutive Stanley Cup. Why were they not able to win this series? You know, I think part of it, as I mentioned to Colorado, was, you know, in the beginning what I mentioned is I think they were just tired. I think, you know, game five, game six, you kind of – or mostly game six. But the four, third period, they just could get no pressure, you know, at all in Colorado. They and they, like, didn't have a in. shot, like, for a while in the third period. No, I don't think they got their first shot to, like, the eight-minute mark. You know, with eight minutes left. So, yeah, they struggled there. Um, and I just think they kind of just wore down. It was, you know – Group that's played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years, you know, especially deep into it. You know, they had to go seven games against Toronto. They swept Florida, but then had to, you know, go six against uh, the Rangers. While the Avalanche, you know, swept two series and they lost, you know, they lost one game going to Stanley Cup. So they were really, really fresh. Um, you know, Toronto just didn't try. I mean, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay, they have some really, really good goal scorers. I, you know, um, but you kind of saw when their top line couldn't get it done, their bottom kind of two lines there were not really able to help out most nights. And I think that kind of hurt them as well. Um, Vasquez still played unbelievable after kind of the first couple games there. And, you know, especially after game two, they just didn't have enough offense there to just kind of, you know, keep up there at Colorado, just get enough pressure on Darcy Kemper um, to just do enough to kind of um, – be able to win that series. The interesting part of the Lightning is is uh, Kucherov and Vasilevsky. They're still in their twenties. They're going to be playing for a while. But the thing is, though, is is Stamkos, uh, Hedman, and McDonough. They're all in their thirties. And the Lightning were not great during the regular season this year. They were not. They did not have a great regular season. And they didn't even have home ice advantage in the, in the first round. Or and they didn't in the first round against the Maple Leafs. And they, I don't think they didn't have home ice in, in, in any series. Not even against the Rangers. So. Is their run? They've been. It's been so impressive. They got the three straight Stanley Cups. Is their run coming to an end? Yeah, I. I don't know if they'll win another one. I wouldn't be shocked because you got a guy like Vasilevsky. As I mentioned, he's a Hall of Fame goaltender. Um, he can really just carry a team on your back, and, and you don't have to do much offensively. Um, I don't know if they'll get back there next year. One of these years, somebody's going to knock them off. I wouldn't be shocked to see them get into another Stanley Cup. You know maybe in two, three years, you know, yeah. Same is getting up there. Hedman is, you know, McDonald, they've all been there for a while. Um, I think this team probably makes one more as this core, but like I could kind of see where there's some kind of gap. Like we kind of saw with the Penguins where they won an 09 and they didn't get back to 2017, you know, but maybe, you know, takes them a couple years, but then right kind of towards the end of Kutros and then Vasquez, kind of time ends. They make another late push there. That's where I could kind of see it. So maybe not with Santos anymore. I wouldn't be shocked to see them. I, I think next year if somebody gets out of the East besides Tampa Bay. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked for them. You know, they were the fifth seed, but they still had 110 points. Like, they, they still had a really, really good year. And that division, Florida's really young. Toronto, we know Austin Matthews and um, William Nylander are two very good players. I think the Bruins are going to take a big step back next year. Um, they're not big, but I think the Bruins are going to, you know, I don't know if they'll be a playoff team next year. Um, so I think in their division, they're still going to be right there in the top three, which will get them in the playoffs. Won't get them home ice in this, in at least in the first round. But yeah, I think Toronto, I mean, Tampa Bay wouldn't be shot, but I could see it like Pittsburgh where it, it may be a little bit of a gap before we see them back. Yeah, that's a good comparison to compare them to the Penguins when they had uh, Sidney Crosby because, yeah, they won the, they, they got the Cup in 08, uh, they won it in 09, and they didn't win it again until 16 and 17, but they were always competitive. I mean, remember they got to the conference finals against the, the Bruins in 13. In 14, they lost that tough series against the Rangers. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a good comparison. They're, they'll be kind of similar to what the Penguins were. They'll be in the mix, but not uh, – but, but having trouble getting to the cup. So I think it's a really good comparison between them and the Penguins with Crosby. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ. For Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week recapping NBA free agency and previewing that huge series at Fenway Park between the Yankees and Red Sox. Have a great July 4th weekend, everyone. 
Jones there had first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.